morning, Mark, Anna and Michael. Uh, we're here for an auspicious occasion. You turn 100, and by that I mean you'll add up to a 100-year career at ANZ. Mark and Michael, 40 years each. Anna, 20 years. A spring uh, just remembering, I started as, as a 15-year-old, uh, Andrew. <laughs> it actually is a, a fascinating slice of history and just something we wanted to sort of talk through about you know, how your careers have progressed, but equally banking has changed enormously in that, that period. But I, I wonder... Just can you quickly tell us, um, maybe starting with Mark and we'll work around, what brought you to ANZ? Yeah, it was interesting, Andrew. I, was, I, I had two interviews, one from an insurance company and one from a bank being ANZ. And my father had uh, spent a lot of his career in insurance and I'd had a fair bit of visibility on that, even answering the home phone and uh, taking calls from, from customers of his and so on. Um, and actually, I liked the people at ANZ that interviewed me. I can still remember them. And uh, uh, I thought... It's an industry I didn't know a lot about. I'd studied economics and I wondered, you know, this might be an interesting place to work and I'd get a lot of visibility of a whole lot of industries. And I really, frankly, Andrew, I did not know uh, what I didn't know. And yeah, I'm so glad I did. And you're still here. I'm still here. And Anna? Um, Well, ANZ didn't really want me the first time around. Um, I uh, started as a graduate, uh, but not with ANZ because I didn't have the economics degree. I had the arts degree. But I ended up at uh, Bank of America, and um, Bank of America went through a, a period of consolidation, and uh, they asked us to whether we wanted to move to Sydney, and I said no. So I ended up following a couple of my colleagues to from Bank of America to ANZ, Andrew Kerr, Alan Hughes, uh, many of them. So that's how I got into ANZ, and still here. And Michael? Yeah, for me, it was, um, I, was, I was pretty good at accounting and, uh, and commerce, and probably like most, uh, you know, first-time job seekers, uh, my parents, you know, suggested to me, you know, why don't you think about a career in the bank? So I applied, you know, put in my CV. They were very centralised in those days uh, at head office of all the banks, put in my CV to four banks. ANZ was the first to, you know, I had, had interviews lined up for all the banks, but had my first interview with ANZ and they were pretty quick to offer a job and I, I took it. And over that, you know, in your case, 40 years, you've seen, let me guess, you would have started with Will Bailey as chief executive, yeah, then... Don Mercer, John McFarlane, Mike Smith, and, and now Shane. Sorry, Andrew, just it's actually John Milne. John Milne was the CEO. Will didn't start till 84. Oh, really? John Milne died in office. He died in 1984. So it's actually John Milne. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. 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 So Will Bailey when you started in 81. It was John Milne, and when you started, John Milne had taken Michael was two weeks, uh, two weeks after me. Oh, okay. So Milne was the CEO. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. extraordinary. I didn't know. As a retired officer, here's this, I'll pick up on that one. No, no, no yeah, well, they're some of our most loyal. Business and reasons. started in '84 when when um, Milne died. I can still remember Peter Smith coming out and saying, "See, uh, John Milne's died." Yeah, well, I, tears in his eyes. I never worked with John Milne, so I, I don't know him. But I, you know, I've worked yeah. uh, as a journalist with all the others, mm. vastly different personalities. So, yeah. has the culture of the bank changed? As the you know, the management has changed, Mark? Do you oh, enormously, Andrew. Uh, very much so. And I think, uh, frankly, the the first big cultural change I saw was a breakout program. Uh, and and uh, that was that was a good thing, a good thing. It's changed enormously, and I think Shane and, and, and the Exco we have now over the last five years have taken it forward enormously in many ways. We've all learnt a lot. And you would have come, well, you came during John McFarlane's time. Yep. Was breakout sort of part of the attraction, or was it a cultural thing that brought you here, or was it part of the reason? Uh, no, breakout didn't bring me over here. Um, I, I, would, uh, I would say it was more about the people than the actual uh, culture. I, I really didn't know much about ANZ. They were a competitor, but it was certainly the people that brought me across. 
And have you seen a change in the 20 years? Oh, absolutely. Um, very different uh, di- very different leadership across from, you know, John McFarlane to, to Mike Smith and then to Shane. And I think we've become a lot more humble, I think, over, over the journey. Oh, no, won't use that word. We've become a lot more humble um, over, the, over, the, over the ensuing period. Mm. And I, before I ask you, Michael... Um, Breakout was a sort of cultural change program and, and quite, uh, I know from the financial review's point of view, quite sort of hippie in its sort of connotations. But it, nevertheless, it was a, a big cultural change. You know? Yeah, but uh, well, that's, I think towards the end it was because we had, uh, you know, uh, staff encouraged to sing and, and, and that at Festival Hall, you know, that was towards the end of it. Uh, but early on, it was sort of anchored in, you know, some pretty basic principles you know, a lot of the retired officers who might be listening will recall things like um, withholds. Mm. So if you had a, you know, we, we all have relationship breakdowns in, in, in work and home and whatever, and rather than let those fester, which can create problems with collaboration and, you know, and the rest of it, um, there was this concept of withholds, as an example. So you were encouraged to seek out the person that you'd had a, you know, some sort of problem with and have an open, frank discussion. So it was anchored in that, it was anchored in bringing yourself to work, so not, you know, in, in terms of today's modern world, you know, that's, that's you know, typically accepted. But in terms of what Mark said, the journey the bank was on, you know, people were, you know, masking who they really were. So bring your whole self um, to the work environment. That was quite liberating to people that were sort of masking and, uh, and living sort of a false life in terms of how they turned up at work versus how they did at home. So, so I think there were some really good principles. And even last night, you know, speaking to, you know, Graham Hodges, I, I remember there was also being present as another anchor. So we would have these exercises literally where all the senior people on, on a conference would be pair off. And I remember Graham, um, I said, who did you pair off with? And he said, John McFarlane. So the idea was you had to sit there opposite your partner. So for, for him, for Graham, it was with John and look into their eyes and not blink and keep looking and stay stay present. So, so there were some fundamental, yeah, it got a bit goofy mm. is what I'd say towards the end. And, and people started to sort of switch off and some people were, mm. as I say, liberated by it. But at its core, there were some really good uh, foundational things that, uh, that really did change the And bank. it's interesting because I've only been at ANZ oh, six years, but ANZ has always been a very inclusive place in my experience. And there's been a, a, you know, a very proactive attempt to make people be their whole selves at work. And, you know, it's a very safe um, encouraging environment, you know, particularly compared with journalism where I was. But, Mark, do you get that sense that there's been a sort of maybe an acceleration in the idea of being more inclusive at the bank in the last few years? Oh, enormously so in, in all ways. Um, diversity in all its in all its senses is, is an example. Um, and I see it in the attraction uh, of the organisation to the young people joining, whether graduates or, or not, um, and the high quality of them. And I think it's so important that, that factors like that are there to help keep those terrific people that we're getting into the organisation and, of course, keeping the experienced people we have. But, yeah, absolutely, Andrew. And I think, too, just on top of that, Mark, being able to see what we've, what we've gone through in terms of COVID, uh, that flexible working arrangement, that was not available years ago. When I first started in banking, uh, you, didn't, you didn't really have that opportunity to be able to work from home, be able to come in and do work. And it was a lot more rigid and a lot more bum on seat as opposed to productivity and getting that environment right and that 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 really safe environment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the other thing I'd add is, um, and I'm sure you'll probably agree when you, you sort of think back, is, you know, through most of, 
our careers, people tended to stay in their own business unit, in their own sort of geography. You know, mm. as we mm. joke, Mark's never mm. left. You know, mm. ten kilometres outside CBD <laughs> Sydney, um, but there was only about five percent of people that moved across business units and mm. tried different jobs, and so there was always that encouragement to be mobile and try something different. And today, you know, you know, all that culture is reinforced by secondments and mm. encouraging people to move across different, um, you know, different parts of the organisation to the point where that's pretty normal now. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of people when you sat down early in their careers for the you know, certainly for the first, you know, almost thirty years of my career. Um, there was only a few of us that actually were brave enough at, at times, I guess was the word that we used, to, to move out an area that you perhaps had mastered. And, you know, a lot of people were reluctant to test themselves out in, in, in a new frontier. So that, that's, all, that's all gone. And, and the bank provides a safe environment is what I would say. Often you would lose talent to other banks. You'd say, why didn't you, you know, you know, if you were moving from corporate to business bank or retail to somewhere else, why didn't you do it in our organisation? Why did you... Move to another bank to do that. So I think we've mm. we've retained a lot of um, you know good talent by having that environment, which again contributes to the culture as well. Mm. I mean, we all like to think we work for enlightened organisations, and you know I think we do. But it, nevertheless, companies don't drive these things without some kind of external pressure. And you've all had you know a lot of experience dealing with our customers. I'm assuming that customer expectations have have changed a lot, and that's one of the things that forces you know, traditional organisations like ANZ to come along too. Is that your sense, Anna, from what customers now expect? Yeah, I mean, I think the the expectations on the bank are, are significantly higher. Our customers, um, you know, we, we deal in a commodity business. Uh, money is money, but how do we make it better for the client? How do we respond quicker, faster? How do we, we come up with ideas that can save their money, help us, help them, and and that has been the the key fundamental I've seen over the, over the twenty years is this not just a loan it's how do you make it so that it is a cost saver for the client it differentiates the bank but we still fundamentally deal in money and Mark from your experience within you know ten kilometres of the Sydney CBD <laughs> <laughs> yeah look all the players in the market Andrew are more informed they're more professional whether it's clients banks, all other competitors, the whole market, the equity market, the scrutiny on companies generally, whether public or private, particularly public, has uh, just meant that the whole everyone has had to lift their game in their professionalism. We, It's no good for us to be looking after. I remember when I first got into the uh, corporate and institutional part of the bank, we were, you were looking after the clients. That was the, the word used. That's not the reality is that you know we need to be relevant to them, so we, we need to have a plan around each major client and we need to talk to them about the things that matter to them and help them. Our job's pretty simple, to help them make the financial decisions to execute their strategy. It's not about our strategy, it's about theirs and what they need to do to execute that. And is that sort of you know, clear cut when you're dealing with a client? They'll, you know, they'll actually come in and say, listen, I'm not interested in your product range. I'm interested in my business being better. Yeah, and and in and at times you get you know a bit of both, or you know I only want to talk to you about the things that you are really good at, A and Z. You know, and I think you know smart bankers pick up on that and say, okay, let's let's get that right on the on the table. Yeah, the other, the other thing I'd add to that, Mark, is um, you know both internally and externally in our early parts of our careers, that used to be the phrase, you know, information is power. And then, you know, with platforms and technology, you know, everyone's got information. And the one, the one thing that all customers, you know, tend to look for is now, it doesn't matter small business, you know, business bank, corporate, institutional, is as Anna said, because we've got commoditised products that um, we've got hyper-competition, they're looking for insights. You know, and that, you know, that's a common phrase, but 
<clears throat> whether it be off our you know payments platform or whether it be benchmarking, you know, particularly for private companies who don't have that uh, capability. So that there's always the view that the banks know more than others, you know, perception, and therefore it's incumbent on us to try and leverage that and you know use the data. I know data is a you know an often used word word in the in the current environment, but you know how we how we provide that information in a useful format to to customers in all segments can be a very powerful differentiator. And I, th- I think too, I mean, the other thing that's key to all of this is the actual relationship we have with our clients. Um, I think one of the, the beauties of ANZ is that we've got long-term bankers who have long-standing relationships. I mean, Mark, case in point, you you know everybody, not just in the Sydney CBD 10K radius, but across you know a lot of Australia. And I think that's a very powerful uh, differentiator that we have, that we don't cycle through our RMs. We do have a continuity and the client is not looking to have to repeat their story. So we're able to continuously uh, factor in what we know about them and, and move on from there. And, and I suppose one of the other um, things, and again, this is a sort of revolution that's been 30 years in the making, but the, the idea that banks don't have to do everything themselves, you know, mm. particularly the four majors in Australia always had payments businesses, merchant card businesses, card issuing businesses. Now there's a sort of willingness to say, well, actually, we can still service the customer. We don't have to manufacture all these different different business lines. So does that, you know, Mark or Anna or Michael, does it make it different when you're going in to deal with a client and you're not actually manufacturing what you're talking about, but you've got a partner who's doing that? Yeah, I think they, they just want, in, in accepting the fact that we take such decisions, I think, Andrew, they want to have the assurance that whilst the bank's not in its own right standing 100% behind that particular uh, product, for example, as an owner of it, they still want the assurance that it's going to be reliable, fast, um, cost-effective and so on. Um, they do. They still require those assurances. But I think they do understand when we say, including in relation to some recent decisions we've taken in the cards area, that, that we need the best, they need the best, uh, and it's not necessarily a bank that can, that can deliver that, particularly the technological aspects mm-hmm. of, of the product needs and, uh, and scale helps in terms of, uh, of choices we make and who we partner with. Yeah, half the battle at times is um, your competition taking advantage and um, and therefore the bankers having to educate the customer in terms of what Mark had to say because it's, it's a natural reaction for a competitor to say, look, ANZ's not committed to to that area. We're better, um, and therefore you've really got to educate the bankers on how to have that conversation. So you know we've had a long history of you know reselling insurance in all the different areas of the bank and superannuation and, and other products over time. So um, it can work. Um, and but you know communication, education of the bankers to educate the customers is the key because the competitors will always take advantage of that. It's not much different to the debt capital markets if you think about it. We, we're in a ranger of of such debt capital market mm-hmm. programs for clients, but the money's actually coming from institutions, mm-hmm. so it's not the principles are pretty similar. Yeah. And with this hundred years of experience, uh, you've been through a lot of crises. Um, now Mark talks about the eighty two eighty three one, which. Uh, I managed to be slightly too young for, but you know we've had the '87 stock market crash, the '92 recession in Australia that really nearly cost ANZ its existence, the Asian crisis in '97, the dot-com collapse in 2001, the financial crisis. You know they they go on, and now we've had COVID, this extraordinary sort of crisis. And so, Anna, when you when you come through these crises, you know they're terrible things to have, but 
do you is it true that you do learn from them and you can uh, make the business better and you you know yourself as a banker better? Oh look, I think it. I said to all the graduates with co- what happened with COVID, a, a hugely tragic um, uh, position, but. We, um, I said, this is a great learning experience. It's, you know, it's it's fast. Perversely, it's a very exciting time in banking because you have to react quickly. You don't know all the answers. You're not expected to know the answers, but you've got to have that responsiveness to your client as well as responsiveness to to the gov- uh, the regulators, uh, to the bank, etc., the shareholders. So, you know, when I look at uh, COVID, when I look at um, the the um, the GFC, you know, it was. Frantic, fren- frenetic. Uh, it was a frenetic pace of, of re- responsiveness. It was, you know, what did we learn? We learned to that clients did value us to be able to respond to them and provide them with a certainty of funding, but also to, you know, when I look back, you know, we had to be much more simpler and streamlined because we didn't have the luxury of time. So we had to do things a lot faster, a lot more effective and a lot more efficient because... It, the, the requests were coming at us all over the place. Yeah, I think a few things I'd add to that is, um, you know, certainly in, in a lot of those earlier um, events, uh, a lot of stress on bankers, a lot of stress on customers. And to your point, you know, how do you how do you get, uh, you know, how do you maintain corporate memory? And I think, you know, probably credit to Shane and others in, in recent events, I think he, you know, uh, summoned a few experienced people, including yourself, Mark, he didn't include me in it, but... That aside, um, <laughs> and said, "How did we deal with those things in the past, so that that, that people that were part of, uh, you know, perhaps Exco and the rest of it that, that hadn't gone through those uh, particular events and journeys, that we didn't make the same mistakes?" And I, I think the regulators have learned. And to Anna's point, you know, data, it, you know, it all comes back to data. Data's got a lot better, and you know, not just ANZ, but the way all the banks reacted through COVID, um, you know, showed a, a measure of maturity in the Australian financial system. And and customers, uh, you know, we're very thankful the way. You know, banks didn't panic, and perhaps in some of the other events there was a little panic and decisions that perhaps people would have regretted. Uh, and so, you know, how do you how do you keep learning from these things, and how do you how do you keep that corporate memory given people come and go? I think that's a big challenge for for organisations. And Mark, I suppose the most notorious example of this was the '92 recession in Australia, where mm. ANZ had been the preeminent bank for small to medium sized businesses and an institutional bank as well, but. With that near-death experience, um, a lot of good customers were sort of walked away from the bank and ended up with other banks, and it's been it's been a sort of thirty-year journey to try and get mm. them back. Yeah, Andrew, that's that. That and the the eighty-two, eighty-three period were brutal recessions. They were real economic recessions, and they're differentiated by to the current time massively high interest rates, uh, and of course no real government government stimulus and so on. And that's that's right. Having said that, there are a number of clients, many clients that the three of us are dealing with that were here then, did have difficulties and we back them. And, and uh, the way you treat clients, good clients in times of difficulty is the way they remember you for a very, very long time. And one thing we resolved uh, over time and, and over this last uh, 12 months or so is that you really want to bank people with integrity, with a business acumen, with a decent underlying business, notwithstanding it might be having some, some difficult times, uh, at least temporarily, and people with a mindset to never, ever let you down. And, and it's a matter of judgment. And, and of course, this business is a, this industry is a very much a matter of taking judgments on, on people. But that's right. It's been really important over those many years since that recession that we have that mindset to uh, 
look after people that we, we judge will do what needs to be done to survive. Yeah. Uh, now, I apologise for a bit of a pop psychology question here, but I mean, the, the time that you've, you've been at the bank, you know, we'll start maybe with you, Michael. How do you see you've evolved as a banker? Well, you know, I've probably had an interesting journey, you know, starting off in retail and working lots of different uh, geographies, different states, uh, you know, China, Taiwan. So, so for me, I guess, you know, I had, I had early cultural immersion to go offshore in, you know, Taiwan was a developing country and China was emerging in 94 to 97 when I was there. Um, so it really gave you a lot of confidence to, you know, almost work in a sort of startup organisation, you know, without a network and, you know, obviously living, um, you know, with a family in those sort of environments. So, so that sort of accelerated, you know, I guess, your maturity and confidence in, in sort of leading and working your way through things. And if you, you could conquer, you know, we, we always thought in those days, if you can go to a place like China and Taiwan in, in your early years of your development, then you can come back and, and feel, not bulletproof, but you can feel quite capable in, in sort of dealing with a lot of things. But, but you know, part of it, you know, as you get, um, as you get more senior, um, you know, the big issue then becomes influencing how to influence because there's a lot of intelligent people around the bank and people have got views and got different business units and different product areas that have got their agendas and their, their roadmaps and their plans and their aspirations. So over time... It's, uh, it becomes more a test of, you know, how do you influence the right outcomes for both the customer and the organisation, uh, given, you know, everyone's got their, their views about how they should be progressing. So I think influencing becomes a big issue um, to the, the test you going forward. Mm. Uh, Mark, you were nodding a lot there. Yeah, so is think, that how you've evolved? Yeah, yeah, I think so, Andrew. And um, the need to be really, really well prepared. And I remember someone said once, and I say it in, my, in some of the talks I do with the staff, that... Businesses like sport, being uh, in the game is something to, to enjoy, but you've also got to be incredibly well prepared. And I think that's something I've, I've certainly learned. Um, and in my roles, um, I've done a lot of work for the bank in, in other countries like uh, we all have, and it's, it's exacting and you need to prepare. It's not just cultural differences, but you sit in front of a US corporate treasurer, you've got to be really on your game because they are really good. You know, for example, it's not just about dealing with CEOs and CFOs. Some of these these companies, they have seriously smart people at assistant treasurer level. They are incredibly professional. So it just means you've really got to be on your game, really on your game, and that's great. So it makes everybody, everyone better. And these two have got a 20-year head start on you, Anna, in, in terms of evolving as a banker. But how, how have you seen yourself, uh, you know, grow as, over those two decades? Yeah, I, I, look, I think... Um Certainly, what Mark and, and and Rosie have said, it's it's you have to be absolutely in the game. But I think patience. Um, when I first started, I was you know very forthright in my opinions, and uh, and what I've learned is to temper that and to listen more, um, and not jump in with what I think is the right answer. Um, so I think that's I think that's made me as a banker to be able to listen, uh, take advice. And, and be ready to sometimes change direction um, and change my opinion because there are a lot of smart people around there and, and I think that, for me, has been my journey. It's really important in, in the roles of our, not just ourselves but our bankers to really know what's going on inside our client base, what's really happening inside those companies and uh, 
and that requires the skills of asking the right, the real questions, the right questions, not necessarily the easy ones, and, and making sure you get the right answers. And of course, making it clear to the client that's for their in their benefit as well. Clearly, well, this has been a, um, a really fascinating conversation. You know, particularly for me, I covered banks for forty years or something. So we read you for all those years, too, Andrew. So that's good. <laughs> uh, we all we have do. our crosses to bear. But look. Um, Thanks very much. Look, it was, it was really fascinating. Uh, good luck with um, the next uh, 40 mark, the next 20, Anna, the next 40 <laughs> mark. Uh, and thanks for joining us on ANZ News. It's been great. Thanks. Thank thanks, Andrew. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes. This podcast was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. Blue Notes is a publication of ANZ Banking Group.